are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball. What up? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Wednesday, January the 29th, and I got an official trade prediction today of what the Pistons are going to do. This is your boy Matt Shook, the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering the NBA for the Detroit News and Associated Press, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for spreading the word. And about the Lockdown Pistons podcast, about to be our biggest month ever again. We've talked about that a lot these last few months. We love when we do that. And we appreciate all you guys and your hard work on social media and through word of mouth telling everyone you know about the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Today we're going to look ahead to Wednesday night's game, Pistons back in action in Brooklyn to take on the Nets. And then the trade that I think will happen, my official prediction of one trade that the Pistons will make. I also have a few hot takes on the media regarding the Kobe Bryant coverage, probably not the ones that you would expect. Got to take up from my media brethren a little bit here. And we're also going to get in touch with Breeshan Miller a little bit later. He's in Philly. He's got some thoughts on Kobe as he's coming from Kobe's high school hometown. Uh, They're out in the city of brotherly love. And, of course, Kobe Bryant's still on our minds after Sunday's horrific accident. I watched the Inside the NBA coverage and read everything, all the podcasts, everything that you guys, I'm guessing, are doing when you get some free time. But when you're like me and you're a sports writer, uh, that's kind of what you do is you, you read all the articles, you check all the podcasts. It's, it's a strange life, but also a good one for the most part. A little bit of a plug. Got a story on uh, Joe Staley and Eric Fisher in the Detroit News on Wednesday's edition, also online. A couple of CMU left tackles that are starting in the Super Bowl, guys that didn't start off as offensive linemen but became them later on in their football lives. But give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that. Also, the Lockdown Pistons Twitter account, and check us out on Facebook at Lockdown Pistons Dash. Matt Shook, but Ipsy Zamani is out there still. Please spread the word about that. I got a lot of demands of you guys today, but I know that you're going to come through for me. But let's get back to the Pistons while we're at it. Uh, the Pistons playing tonight against the Brooklyn Nets at 7.30 p.m. And if you're just listening to the show for the first time, I, I just kind of flippantly threw out uh, Ipsy Zamani. It's a film I made, and it's called Ipsy Zamani about Imani Bates who's an Ypsilanti Lincoln High School player, and you should check it out. It's on Vimeo. Follow me on social media. I got it pinned on the top of my Twitter profile, so it should be easy to find there. So, yeah, Pistons playing tonight against Brooklyn at 7.30 p.m. This is an ESPN game, the first of only two ESPN games this season for the Pistons. They're playing Philly on ESPN later on this season. I'll tease that Philly game by saying that could be a reunion game. More on that later. But Andre Drummond is questionable. For this one, he's got apparently a wrist injury that apparently was suffered on Monday in the game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sekou Dumbuye is probable. He's got an ankle injury that he uh, suffered at some point recently, presumably. The good news for the Pistons is that Tony Snell and Derrick Rose are both not on the injury report, presumably okay. So maybe the sore knee that Derrick Rose was rest, was maybe it was just rest on Monday night against Cleveland after being overworked over the weekend. Uh, We'll see if Casey can resist playing Derrick Rose all the minutes tonight. We'll talk about Derrick Rose a little bit later on in the show 
as well. Tease, tease, hint, hint. But uh, tonight is going to be a rematch from Saturday night's overtime game in Detroit, which was won by Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. The teams have split so far this year. Both of those games were in Detroit. The Pistons now three and a half games back of Brooklyn in 10th place in the Eastern Conference, Brooklyn being in 8th place and uh, one and a half games behind the Chicago Bulls. Um, this is a red-letter game. I continue, I, We're going to keep calling it that. Certainly Brooklyn and Orlando are red-letter games. I keep Indiana in that group right now. The only uh, That's the only group of teams that the Pistons are actually doing pretty well against. They're 5-2 and two in red-letter games, which is pretty much flushing my red-letter concept down the toilet. Made it up just to signify that these are bigger games than usual because not only are the Pistons trying to get in the playoffs, and this was from the beginning of the season when they really were getting in, trying to get in the playoffs, and maybe they are still, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But uh, those are big games because not only are you trying to get wins and avoid losses, but you're trying to give Orlando and Brooklyn losses and avoid giving them wins. I had Indiana in that group because I believed that with the injury to Victor Oladipo, that they might be a team at the factor uh, a factor in the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff races. Well, that has not proven to be the case. They've proven to be a very good team once again. Indiana is doubted all the time, and they turn. Uh, they turn those doubters away, unlike a certain other team that we know a little bit more about intimately here in Detroit. But uh, stubbornly, yeah, I'm keeping Indiana as that team. Uh, they, the Pistons needed to be near that good if they wanted to have a successful season. Obviously, we know that's not happening yet. But that Saturday night game with Brooklyn and Detroit, I was there courtside, Kyrie Irving. Um, Brooklyn played a second half of a back-to-back uh, in New York on Sunday night, losing that game to the Knicks. But, man, you know, that's the that's the Kobe day. You could kind of throw out the results from Sunday, not only just because of the, uh, the shock that all the players were feeling that day, but Kyrie Irving in particular, who was a little bit of a, uh, a protege of Kobe Bryant in some ways. And Ky- Kyrie heard the news and apparently just left the arena and uh, did not play. So, uh, you know, after Kobe Bryant died, and it's hard to even say that, it's hard to even imagine typing that or hearing that, uh, before the weekend, that Kobe Bryant is dead uh, at 41 years old. But uh, by the way, Co- Kyrie Irving is not on the injury report for um, Tuesday night for tomorrow night for tonight's game Wednesday. Uh, so if he does play, which all indications are that he will, it's going to be certainly an emotional night for him on ESPN. So I, I don't know. I kind of got to believe that he's going to go off and, and have another big game like he did when he scored 45 points on Saturday night in overtime against the Pistons. Pistons are rightfully so eight and a half point dogs on the road, 17 and 31 record this right now, the low water mark of the season, as we're tired of reporting low water marks, but that's where we're at. And then that will continue because it's a little bit of a tough weekend coming up for the Pistons. I told you the, the easy games were easy and you had to win them and uh, those opportunities are gone. Uh, you know, forget it as far as the playoffs this season. We declared it dead the other day and that's still the case, but the Pistons will continue after tonight. Friday night, going to be home back in Detroit against the Toronto Raptors, the defending champion Toronto Raptors, although the, the Raps will be coming in on the second half of back-to-back. But then the Pistons will be playing an awkward time, 12.30 in the afternoon on Super Bowl Sunday for a home matinee against the Denver Nuggets. So at least the Pistons can take some time uh, in their home this weekend. None of the executives are going to be traveling. Maybe they'll be holed up in the offices making calls, sending texts, doing all that stuff you do around trade deadline time. Reminder, the afternoon of February 6th is the trade deadline. That is 
Thursday. So a week from tomorrow, expect some things to happen. Whatever that is, can't be sure. But I have a trade that I believe the Pistons will make. That's my official prediction. We'll have that next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Yes, sir! All right, a little bit later on, we're going to hear from Breeshan Miller out in Philly. Kobe's hometown or high school hometown, more accurately. I've also got some hot takes on the media, some some takedowns of some of the media criticism, I guess is one way to put it. But before I get to that, I want to point out that I really did enjoy that inside the NBA tonight on TNT with Ernie and Kenny and Charles and D. Wade and Shaq and Rick Fox joining them and Derek Fisher as well. On the court at Staples Center, some really poignant moments there before and after the Boston Celtics-Miami Heat game tonight. Uh, yeah, just really enjoyed the conversation. Um, obviously, everyone very sad. Shaq kind of being disarming and and uh, laying it all out there, being uh, vulnerable, I guess is the right word to be looking for there, and everyone uh, just giving their true feelings on it. And <laughs> Rick Fox, obviously awkward for him to be there and for his uh, role in this tragedy presumed dead by apparently some resort reports that I, I never actually have any seen seen any of those reports, but I heard reports that there were reports. But anyway, uh, my question for Rick Fox would be, because they asked him, like, how did you deal with that? When, how did you tell people? And he said, I, I just kind of did it moment to moment, and I talked to people one by one. If it were me, I mean, I, I guess if, if my name was, like, out there as dead in the news and I knew that I wasn't dead, like, I just looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, okay, I think I'm not dead. I would probably just like send a tweet out. Be like, hey, you know, you might have seen something about me being dead, but uh, especially since there's a, a Rick Fox guy who's got some North Carolina fans and Laker fans, you know, no one would really care of if I'm dead other than, you know, maybe some of you guys, maybe the family. But, like, hopefully the, the people close to you would find out, you know, from you in, in some kind of text or something like that. But, you know, if you've got a lot of fans and people that do really care – Maybe just throw a tweet out and be like, just like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I wasn't there. I heard that there's something happening. Or uh, it, maybe you don't even have to go that far. Just say, hey, there's uh, some some fake news out there. Uh, maybe don't use the Trump term fake news. But just, hey, you know, I'm not dead. I'm fine. Just just in case the situation ever happens to you. Instead of just, uh, you know, just do that. But uh, Derek Fisher, uh, some poignant moments as well. Just a, a really worthy show. And kudos to Turner and TNT for scrambling to put that together. I know everyone in the media, especially television, is uh, scrambling to do special stuff these days. A lot of great articles out there, a lot of great podcasts out there. I'll refer you guys to my Monday episode where I kind of did my uh, Kobe tribute and my personal version of it. I know that Mike Valeni doesn't like people personalizing things, and I, and I agree, of course, there is a line that you don't want to cross. But uh, like I said in, on Twitter the other day, when I die, I hope that people do share stories about how I affected their lives. And uh, I don't think there's much wrong with that. But anyway, um, development from on the court on Tuesday that might be interest to Pistons fans. I'm going to break it down for you here. And why I think it's part of my official trade prediction for one of the trades that the Pistons will make. Um, Zaire Smith made his NBA season debut with the Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday night. He only played three minutes and suffered an ankle injury, so that was kind of the worst-case scenario for Philadelphia. However, he got back in there on Tuesday night and played against the Warriors and uh, played a handful of minutes. I think he scored three points in ten minutes of total action. So he got out there, 
And it, of course, this is a strange time for uh, to get out of the G League and then just randomly start playing in the NBA. Right now, that, that I'm connecting the dots a little bit, following the paper trail. I do believe that that means that the 76ers are either putting him out there as a tryout to show NBA teams how he's doing after recovering from injuries and being stuck in the G League when he's been able to play this year, or maybe that teams have requested that the 76ers put him out there on an NBA floor so they can see uh, how he's doing. So obviously playing some spot minutes here and there, nothing too exciting either way. I, I didn't watch the game against Philly or with Philly and Golden State tonight, but uh, presumed that he didn't do all that much, but obviously a defensive player that uh, you hope the offense comes along in time, you know, kind of a Bruce Brown archetype in that way. But, yeah, so it's my belief that Zaire Smith is kind of being shopped out there a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that's part of my official prediction, that the Pistons will, will indeed trade Derrick Rose to the Philadelphia 76ers. And in return, the Pistons will get Zaire Smith and also – point guard Raul Neto to kind of make the salaries work. And in addition to that, the Pistons will receive uh, two second-round picks. Uh, they'll try to get a first-round pick out of Philly unsuccessfully, maybe try to get that Oklahoma City top 20 protected second-round pick, or I'm sorry, first-round pick that conveys the two seconds. Won't get that. But I actually think that at the end of the day, if you get two really good second-round picks out of Philadelphia, that might even be more valuable than – what will you resulting end up being from that Oklahoma City pick that conveys into two Oklahoma City picks down the road? The reason for that is because Philly, and we've talked about this on the show, but Philly has all sorts of second-round picks. They have seven extra second-round picks, uh, plus-minus, over the next several years. They've got all sorts of picks. They've got two very valuable ones in this next draft, one being from Atlanta and one being from the New York Knicks. I predict that the Pistons will get one of those picks in the trade for Derrick Rose, and then they'll end up getting another future second-round pick from the rest of the kitty that Philadelphia has at their disposal right now. They've got two in 2020 that are very good ones, that Atlanta and New York one. They have the Knicks again in 2021. Of course, they won't be any good, so that's another good one. And they also have one in 2023 that should be pretty good, the favorable one of three picks uh, in the second round between Charlotte, Atlanta, and Brooklyn. Now, you can't guarantee for sure that all th any of three or all three of those teams will be bad in 2022, but when you got three teams, one of them that's uh, – Brooklyn's probably going to be pretty good as, as far as if, if everything comes healthy for them, but you never know. And then, of course, you got Charlotte and Atlanta, two front offices that I don't necessarily believe in right now. So you got to feel pretty good about the chances of one of those being a, a top 40 pick or so. So that's my official prediction. I think the Pistons are playing uh, hard to get a little bit here. They've got the reports. They're, certainly they're asking for a first-round pick right now, which is what they should do. But always an injury risk with Derrick Rose. So you're playing with a little bit of fire here over these next eight days. But I think that at the end of the day, the Pistons will accept an offer for a couple of second-round picks from Philly, kind of replenishing the second-round pick uh, stash. Uh, of course, they will ask for this year's Atlanta and New York second-round picks, but I could see Philly wanting to keep one of those two. So you end up with one of them and then maybe a future second-round pick, maybe one of those elite ones that we just talked about, or maybe one of the Dallas ones that they have. I think they have a Miami one as well, maybe even their own sometime over these next few years. I don't think that second one's going to be a great one. So what do you get? You get Zaire Smith, uh, a second-year first mid-first-round pick, 
that everyone was really excited about. Had a health condition last year that uh, pretty much ruined his entire season. He played a couple of games at the NBA level. That's it. This year he's been playing in the G League some and hasn't really shown anything. I mean, he's not a prospect that you get excited about in terms of what he's done as a professional basketball player so far. Everything that uh, you would you'd be getting in Zaire Smith is all based on potential, things that could happen going forward. If you are satisfied with his medical situation, with everything that's going on with him, that uh, you would believe that he could be a guy who turns it around and be a factor for this team going forward. And I just think that I'm watching this team play on Monday night and just getting burned on the perimeter. I think you need more defensive-minded guys. And, yes, uh, Zaire Smith and Bruce Brown, a little bit too similar in terms of their offensive struggles. And I know that Bruce Brown is an emerging offensive player. But, yeah, I'll roll the dice on a guy who you need to develop offensively. You need to make sure he's uh, he's healthy and taking care of himself going forward. But uh, that's the kind of trades you got to make. And for Derrick Rose, uh, the best Pistons trade chip at this deadline right now, there's just probably not a whole lot of first-round picks out there. Maybe Boston surrenders Milwaukee's first-round pick. Uh, maybe the Clippers come to the table at some point with a late first-round pick. Uh, there are options. There are possibilities out there, especially with Boston having three first-round picks. But I think at the end of the day, uh, a, a, a young player in Zaire Smith, you got, you know, you're trading away Derrick Rose, so obviously Neto could be a guy who you could actually give minutes to this year if you're interested in, in uh, maybe if they give up uh, Langston Galloway or, or Markeith Morris and get the roster spot there, or if they part ways with Kyrie Thomas at some point, that roster spot there. I'd rather give... Uh, you know, some pretty good minutes to Jordan Bone and give him the roster spot, but at least Raul Neto, mostly for a salary, and maybe he's even a guy who gets cut right away. Uh, same could be said for a, a Kyle O'Quinn type, but I just thought um, with the fact that Raul Neto might even play for the Pistons this year in the rest of this contract uh, would make him a little bit more of an attractive asset than Kyle O'Quinn. So that's my trade. What do you guys think? Um, speaking of Philly, we're going to hear from Breeshin after this as well. I got a couple of hot takes to defend my media brethren, even in a tough time during the Kobe Bryant tragedy. But uh, that's coming up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. But hey, if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Lockdown to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Lockdown Pistons is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Pistons fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Pistons fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses, especially right here in Detroit. Text the word advertising to 33777. Or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. And we look forward to hearing from you. This is Breeshan out in Philly, 35 years old, long life distance fan. All my life. Great players and great teams have had to go through Detroit to become great, or Detroit crushes you. And I never enjoyed cheering against a better competitor than Kobe. 
Love to see my teams beat him, but love to see him compete against just to see him finish the game. And so in that way, as a hater, they say, I am a Kobe fan. And this is a sad day. That's all I got to say. Thanks to Breeshan for that. Appreciate the call coming from Philly. It is a sad day. Concur for sure. If you guys have um, some thoughts that you want to share on the email, please do. I opened up the uh, the Twitter responses on Sunday and played a lot or talk, uh, read a lot of those on Monday's episode. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep it rolling. Um, this is not a, a thing that's going to be. Uh, we won't go multiple days without talking about Kobe Bryant for at least a, a, a while here. So eight one zero six 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 fifteen forty six is the Google voicemail line for Locked On Pistons. Again, that's 810-666-1546. Say your name like, like Breeshan did. Tell us where you're from uh, and uh, keep it under 90 seconds, two minutes, something like that. And uh, we'd appreciate it. And if you feel like you didn't like your first one, call up again and we'll pull your second one or something like that. No big deal. So uh, we appreciate you guys sharing your thoughts. But I got some thoughts from the media stuff. And I just I know that everything just turns into a pile on the media fest. And as a member of the media, I feel like I have a little bit of a duty to stand up for it, first of all, but also to kind of call out some stuff that I, I feel like is is crazy. And so, so watch me do a little mental gymnastics here. I'm going to do a little defending of the indefensible. And of course, in journalism, the most important thing is to be right, not to be first. So we know about the uh, what, what people seem to think is atrocities of some of the things that happened on Sunday. Now, of course, this is a totally separate conversation from the actual horror that the families and the, the, the fans and the, the folks involved and all of that, we all know. I mean, we, 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 we can come to common ground about the fact that that's the worst part. But, you know, everyone talking about the reporter who th- – there were some mistakes made by reporters out there, no doubt about that. Rick Fox is out. Uh, I don't know if that was like an official reporter that, that had some of those rumors out there. I think there was one person for an ABC affiliate that reported – uh, that it was Bryant's, uh, all his four kid, all his four daughters were in the plane. There were also reports that, that at first everyone thought it was five victims and obviously turned out to be nine victims. I think that information, I'm not sure where that information came from because I remember the press conference where they said that there was nine victims during the day, but obviously that, that five was pretty widespread. So not really sure exactly where that came from now. Not excuse. I'm in. I'm in no circumstance excusing journalists from being wrong. I just think that there's 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 degrees to these things. There's levels to these things. And life or death situations, you need to be a little bit more, or not a little bit more, a lot more careful about these kind of things. That that goes without saying. That being said, it's a very chaotic situation, and all of us are demanding as much information as possibly. Be, you know, we were eating all this stuff up. Uh, it's it's just it's just the day and the times that we live in. It really is what it is. So if you're going to be someone who's on Twitter uh, yearning for up to the second information, and uh, a random tweet happens to be upset or wrong, then you know it's it's just kind of what happens sometimes. And I know that it's it seems horrible. It's a life or death situation, but. You know, these kind of things have been happening since the beginning of time. It's not just, and obviously the, the delivery of the social media environment has it wrong. I mean, you can go back to historical things and, and, and things were wrong that day, even in the next day's paper, when they had, you know, a full day to digest what was going on, to fact check things that were going wrong. 
It's the nature of what we do in the newspaper business. And even more so on the social media and the online world. We always say that the, the next day's newspaper is the first draft of history. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the final draft of history. And I know that that sounds flippant. And I, and I understand I'm doing like a, a defense of the indefensible. But I promise you that any of these journalists didn't wake up saying, I'm going to fuck this story up today. I'm going to uh, kill Rick Fox. Poor Rick Fox. Um, but I, I just think that these are people, another thing to keep in mind when these kind of things happen, and obviously the onus falls on the journalist ultimately because they're the ones delivering the information, but keep in mind that these people are getting this information from somewhere. The, these people are not making this stuff up. And obviously the sources happen to be wrong, but a lot of times that these are, these are like authorities that they're getting the information from. So you, police sources, fire sources, uh, folks like that. So again, if you the, the information distributors have to have a level of accountability, I'm sure people are getting fired. I'm sure people are getting suspended, blah, blah, blah. But keep in mind that they're getting this information from somewhere. And uh, I know that that's ultimately on the, the, the journalist to get that right. But I, I, I don't know. I just I, I just the, the part that bothers me is when everyone just gets so pompous about it. And just get so holier than thou about it, and tease off over and over again, and and throws blanket statements about the media screwed it up. The media screwed it up. When in reality, ninety nine point you know five percent of what was reported and uh, shared and passed along, and all the memories. You know, I have I've happened. To, I've enjoyed the content of such a horrible situation uh, from all angles. And yeah, there's been some 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 trip ups and a chaotic story in a chaotic situation. But just to say, like, oh, the media screwed it up again, to me is, uh, I don't know, it's just weak. And another thing that's weak, and I blame the the authorities for calling out TMZ on this, and I'm going to do another thing, defend the indefensible, and say that uh, I don't have a problem with TMZ reporting that Kobe Bryant passed away before the family knew about it. And I know that that's another thing that you can just be, um, get on Mount Pius and say, you should never report information until the next of kin is notified. But I'm sorry, but when you're a public figure like Kobe Bryant, this is kind of the world we live in, and this is the expense of being famous. Kobe Bryant had a great life up until his tragic end. He had, uh, and he earned all of it. He deserved most of it, all that stuff. But... When you're famous and you're a rich person and you're a famous person that everyone adores, this is one of the perils of, of that kind of life. And again, it was probably a uh, an author a source from the cops or, the, or someone like that who leaked the information to TMZ. That's how those kind of things work. But, you know, to say that this tragedy is made much worse by the fact that Vanessa or some members of the Bryant family or anyone had to find out on uh, on Twitter instead of hearing from the proper authorities to say that that makes it much worse I believe is actually belittling the situation and belittling her grief what would it be much better if a sheriff's deputy gave a call or showed up on the doorstep or something like that it's like it's horrible horrific news her life has changed forever and the the modality for how the news is distributed to her it's it's like not even one percent of what could possibly be the pain that she's gonna face, and and I know that it's bad taste, and I know that I'm sitting up here defending the indefensible in some ways, but I I just to me it's 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 information it's out there. We all wanted more information as much as possible. We're all guilty about that, 
and especially in life or death situations like oh the fact that they had to hear about it from tmz it's like well it's still bad news and it's not going to change the fact that that her husband's still dead and that her daughter's still dead it's just i don't know that's just this is something that that really kind of bothers me and i think as journalists if you have information and you have it before next of kin knows it's kind of your duty to make those kind of calls and and to to get the information out there especially if you know that it's right so that's my my uh my mount pious uh monologue there and i just want to get that off my chest but anyway defending the media nobody else is doing it i gotta do it this is your boy matt shook the host of the Locked on Pistons podcast. And thanks for listening. Talk to you all tomorrow.